everyone, and welcome to episode 449 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Fred Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you today, Richard? Good morning, Seth. I'm distracted by Crim's clear <laughs> box-like drink that yeah. he spilled oh. all over the place, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, <it's> good. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> good time. Uh, we also have another co-host in, in Krim, who is, uh, I don't know what Krim is up to at the moment, but good morning, Krim. How, how are you How are you today? <laughs> the the cap to my Jujutsu Kaisen uh, water carton is uh, in the ether now. So, uh, oh, all right. Good good luck with the uh, with the cap issues. That's <laughs> yeah, Jujutsu yeah, yeah. Kaisen water. Just no, straight. no, no. It's it's a carton and it's got like oh. the characters on it. Oh, it's like a water and bottle ice. or something. Yeah, yeah. And you filled it with water. Okay. okay. Yeah, That's... yeah. It's it's really cool. For for all you need to know, Seth, it's another anime and it's oh, about it's, eating uh, fingers. It's <laughs> anime is the weirdest the weirdest subject matter. <laughs> I will say every time you tell me about an anime and what it's about, I'm just like, okay, okay, yes, okay, anime. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> For sure, <laughs> eating fingers. I'm down. Yeah, I'm, I will definitely turn that one on right away. Well, anyway, today we got some interesting topics. It was early access day a couple of days ago for Wilds of Eldraine, so we're gonna talk a little bit about new standard first impressions of Wilds of Eldraine. So we're gonna get into that. We got a couple of little news updates, some Modo news, uh, some Card Sphere news, which I kind of forgot Card Sphere was a thing, and then we got more Doctor Who spoilers. So we want to get into some of those as well, and then answer your fish mail before we do though a reminder that today's show is brought to you by card conduit and card conduit's the easiest way to sell your magic cards and if you ever want to skip all the hassles of buy listing card conduit lets you do it with their curated service you can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more in pages to five percent fee and if you want to do a little work you can use the sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance in pages to two percent fee either way you're going to get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once your order is processed and you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, it's the easiest way to sell your magic card. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic and let's start with new standards. So Richard, you didn't do early access event, right? It was, you haven't played any new standard I'm, yet? I'm, I'm not cool enough to get invited to, <laughs> didn't to get play the early access. So, so as a scrub, I, I can just watch streams. <laughs> That's all I can do. Krim, <laughs> uh, though, I know you did some early accessing. I did a bunch of early accessing. What's your uh, first impression of, so, okay, to, to to kick this off, we should say early access is kind of unique. It's only best to one. A lot of people are trying new decks. So I try not to make like harsh judgments about the future of standard as a whole based on early access, but it is a good way to kind of like feel out new cards, see what felt good, what maybe didn't feel as good. So what's your first impression, Krim, of uh, new standard slash Wilds of Eldorain? First off, no matter how new the standard is or what new cards or how much people try not to build, uh, to try out new decks, I still played against Shieldred a lot, which is good. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. This That's is not good. a bad thing. That's as good because what? what else do you want to do other than test against the Premier 4 drop? Right? That's like, like I, in all seriousness, it is a good thing. I mean, like, look, have I fun. love... I, I would have I chose have padding. fun, but uh, I guess testing uh, against the Premier 4 drop is also pretty cool. <laughs> I thought that was fun, okay? Like, like because now I know what cards are, you know, worthwhile, what's not. And, uh, yeah, like, so, so far, first uh, first reaction to everything? Yeah, standard's gonna, standard's gonna have a shake-up. Really? Okay, Ooh, so, I, so, Krim... 
played against a lot of shield rids. What what is dethroning the shield rid then, or what is shaking up standard that you've uh, you've seen so far? You think? Uh, okay. What if I told you for four mana you can be in charge of the BNR uh, announcement? The card is called the end. <laughs> And I have been, I've exiled so many people's janky main win conditions. I've exiled so many Shialdrids. Never had to worry about it again. Simply just hit it with the end. Of course, I've also been hit with the end. Um, but like, you know, like luckily your boy doesn't play anything more uh, more than like two ofs of a lot of his cards. So, ooh, playing around it, son. Krim, why do you always play singleton cards? This is why. No, like the end, for those that don't know. Is two blue or two black and or two colorless, two black. And uh, what it does is it exiles a, a creature or planeswalker. Then you look through their hand, their graveyard, and their deck and exile every other copy of it. And if you have five or less life, aka Fateful Hour, it costs two less for just black, black. This has been the nuts. This card has been the nuts in Removal Town. I've just been like, again, it's just felt so good. Uh, it's such a powerful answer. And I actually think, as funny as it sounds, I, as much as it's going to be used to answer Shieldred, it's also kind of a thing where I think Black got stronger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, so the other the other side of that is I've also just played against a lot of people that are just like beseech the mirroring into Shieldreds, which is a seems like a very easy thing to to do in standard thanks to like the Iron Craig, thanks to whatever the three drop rat is that makes rat tokens. Like bargaining yep. is not very hard if you want to. People are using rolls to bargain off of like the roll tokens. So I feel like uh, I mean, I guess you need an answer like that, right? Because Shieldred, I think, is going to show yeah. up way more consistently than it did before because it's way easier to find now with, like, some of the best cards in the format. Like, the bargaining Beseech Amir felt very strong to me. Like, that was a card that every time I saw someone cast it, that card seemed kind of busted. Even in Standard, which I think is where it's at its least powerful. Uh, speaking of bargling, you know, I've come to bargle with some Yargle. Uh, okay, I actually am not playing any Yargle, but the point is... That new, remember when we did the top 10 video, the six drop Realm Scorcher Hellkite? Mm hmm. I played with that, and that card is gas. Holy smokes, that card is gas. My chat watched me like toast some people with it. All the rat decks that were going around were getting picked off because I just kept dealing one damage to everything. Uh, like, dude, it's so sick. And then on top of that, like, Playing with like Sarkon Soul of Flame, turning him into Realm Scorcher Hellkite. For those that don't know, Realm Scorcher Hellkite, four red, red, bargain, flying haste. When it enters the battlefield, if it was bargained, add four man in any combination of colors, pay one in a red, it deals one damage to any target, four six. So I can just make four mana. I cast at the end. I got rid of a Shealdred, and then I swung to the face. Uh, I felt real good. I felt real good because I dunked on that opponent. Um, and uh, yeah, like so. <laughs> that card, Charming Scoundrel, another Haymaker in red. That card, had, like, oh, I never thought a Wily Goblin with haste is one of the like, going to be one of the things I sing the praises of because that card has been the truth as well, uh, along with Decadent Dragon. Like, oh my god, this set has had so many powerful cards, uh, and like the main thing here is checking to see if you can fight black, and these decks. 
I think you need black to then fight black because the end is so good. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm not. I'm not joking. Like the the end is the truth. Let me, let me summarize this conversation. So Krim opens with the meta is changing, and then proceeds to rattle off all these black cards. <laughs> I named a bunch then, of red cards, and then he named a bunch of red cards. So we're going back to Rakdos. We've never seen this combination before. <laughs> Blood Tithe Harvester is getting a comeback. Dude, it, it's the truth, man. And like, it's it, there are new archetypes though. There's new combo too. There's it sounds a new like Rakdos mid rage to me. Are you calling it Rakdos control? So the question is always just like how how much does the experience from early access carry over to real standard? That's always the question because there are a lot of cool things, and I really I enjoyed early access a lot. There are like multiple combos you can make like infinitely powerful creature lands with the turtle yep. that reduces activated ability costs. There's infinite mana combos with Agatha's Soul yep. Cauldron. So there's a bunch of those things. And a lot of those things like are really cool when they go off. Although I always have in the back of my mind as I'm doing those things like, but if I was playing real standard and I was playing against like Farewell and Sunfall 30% of the time and Shieldred 40% of the time, is my experience going to be the same? Is my Are my combo pieces actually just going to like stick on the battlefield because my opponent's trying to play a bunch of rats for some reason? Or are they just going to be like killing and farewelling me all the time? So I I really enjoyed the early access, and I am always get hyped about the, the new archetypes. But I do still have that fear in the back of my mind that once people start like playing for real and breaking out the like top-tier cards and decks and they're not trying to rat me to death, that maybe some of the things that were really fun will not be as successful as they were in you know the the rap meta uh i'll be honest with you like first off like the the rats deck isn't that bad i mean like it, well, not... yeah it was early access yes yeah, so actually like it can go super wide really quick right so you can make a ton of right. tokens you can go super wide you have some like toxic payoffs or pumping them payoffs but I did Mishra. not see anyone playing Farewell or Sunfall. I didn't see those cards once. I did not play against a single person playing, like, a control deck with those cards. I, I feel like I'm... once we start playing against Ukrim, then the rat deck just goes away, like, in two days. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's gone. I don't, it's I don't... <laughs> well, look, hey, who doesn't like a good uh, a, like exterminator? I'm here to answer the rat problem on Eldraine. But I will be honest with you. I I don't know what your experience was like because, you know, different hours of the day whatnot yeah i played against a lot of shieldred and i yep. played against a lot of aggro um and so the problem here is if i'm playing against mid-range the fairies deck that i played was the truth like f- sleep cursed fey it, with likeness looter copy sleep cursed fey for that i just now have another three three ward I sat there, I countered everybody's spells, spell scorn. Well, sorry, I technically did not counter everybody's spells. I bounced it back to their hand because spell scorn coven, another card that I was hyped on in spoiler season that did work. That uncommon was gas. And along with that, the fairies package has looked really fun so far. I can't wait. That's going to be the first thing I can't wait to take into real standard in a format where I know everyone's going to play dirtily four to five drops. And and that is where it's going to feel real good. I think Fairies was the deck I played against the most yesterday. Like, I feel like every single person that played Early Access, and I started playing, like, right when it went live, so maybe it was, like, that was the first deck everyone played, but, like, 
every single person I played against, I think, has a fairy deck of some kind, which makes sense, I guess. Like, it's a pretty easy deck to, like, put the base of it together because you just put all the things that say fairy on them together in some demure lands and you, like, have a functional deck. So it made sense that you saw it a lot. I couldn't really get a sense of its power. Like, some games it looked really good and you get like the tempo plan and you get on the board early and you can like back it up with your counters and your like fairy thought sees other games i was playing like some super jank like infinite mana agatha soul calder and against the odds decks and they were like thought seizing me and countering and they still just like lost to the jankiest infinite combo so i couldn't really get a sense of the overall power level of fairies how do you think it compares to like non-fairy demir mid-range because i think that's the competition the question is like uh, is it worth it to add like uh, the fairies and the fairy payoffs into your deck? Or are you better off just playing like the generic Demir cards? Do you think? I think that's the real question. So the generic Demir cards are obviously going to be good. No, to qu no questions there. Um, but it is nice to know that you can get on the board early because you know the the Demir mid range deck relies on just dropping a three drop or something, beating you with it, and then holding up a counter spell as well, right? But you can deploy two three drops, put them into the position of like, you know, now they have to be kind of in the control deck position, right? And you can take the role of the Demir midrange where you sit back and you just hold up all your counters. You thought sees them. Like, it's it's not like I'm going to 100% win. And they managed to perfectly channel the fairy's experience. You'll have to work your ass off. Use both halves of your brain to get 45% win rate. Yeah, that, that, that <laughs> sounds like a bad deck to me. <laughs> no, dude. dude. Is, it's, it, it's... is it budget Is it budget rogues, as uh, I think Seth declared during spoiler season? Is I think it it's... Mono it's like, blue? Like, kind of like, worse. It doesn't... Like, what, where are we at with how it compares to its peers? I like it more than mono blue. Okay. It's obviously not going to be it, like the the rogues that was like, you know, drown in the lock, you know, you had into the story or whatever. You had some of the most powerful cards in that time. But I think this is a solid tempo deck. This is a, a solid tempo option that also has bit, had good game against mid-range decks. And obviously everything in, in like early access event, you take it with a grain of salt. But at the same time, you can kind of figure that how the deck works and how it plays it just by goldfishing. And it feels good against dirtily decks. How how big of a problem is the lack of flash? Because that's one thing I know, because I played against this deck so many times, and it felt like there were some games where if my opponent didn't get on the board and they had to be, like, tapping out empty boarded to play, like, my three mana one three that loots eventually and stuff, like, those are the games where it went really poorly. Like, do you think the lack of flash is a deal breaker for that deck being competitive? Because it's just, like... You can't, like the rogues, you could just always leave up your mana and you could flash in any of your rogues or you could counter or you could card draw. Old school, like Lorwyn fairies are kind of like that too, where you just like never really tap out during your turn. Do you think the fact that you got to tap out during your turn like semi-often is a is a problem for new fairies or is it fine? You can work around it. You can definitely work around it. Um, there's a lot you can do in the early turns, especially like using likeness looter, as I told you. That plus sleep cursed fey has been like one of the best like like one of the more powerful things I've been able to do um and then yeah like the lack of flash didn't feel that bad uh to be honest with you I think that yeah like it sucks it's not like rogues the lack of flash is a little interesting but it's not the worst and still the deck functions quite nicely uh and you just kind of it's gonna be a tough deck to play it's not one that I'd recommend someone just play for fun like, because it's going to be a lot of thinking and, you know, 
I've seen the percentages pay off where I play nice and I play tight. Uh, the fairy answers are great, like fairy fencing. Ego drain, as I told you, or as you talked about, which is the thought sees. Um, and most importantly, I think one of the coolest cards that is criminally underrated because it is a four drop is Talion. I played against Mono Black. I named four, and I watched me. I watched them deplete themselves and actually be afraid to play Shieldred because <laughs> five drop Shieldred is also four. One thing people don't seem to forget is that Talion checks it in cost, power, and toughness. So it's in all of them. <laughs> and in against some of the aggro decks, I've also just named two, <laughs> and like they've just incinerated their own health total. And yeah, I, try, I just sit there with a grip. Yeah, I saw a couple of Tilions, and it actually, it looked okay. It, it didn't look bad. Like, if you have a reason to have fairies in your deck, I think it goes up in value. I think the real power of fairies is probably, like, you get a Thought Seize. You get that removal spell that's actually pretty good if you have a fairy. Like, fairy I think, fencing. Yeah, that's that's kind of the, and the counter spell is also pretty good. So I think it's like those three spells are the reason to put fairies in your deck. I think if you're not playing those spells, they lose a lot of value because those are the cards that really power up the deck. I'm curious about Adventures. So Adventures is something I played a lot. I saw quite a bit from opponents as well. I came away from it feeling like, the new adventure cards are really, really good, but I also came away from it feeling like, I don't know if there's like an adventure deck. Whenever I played an adventure deck, when I put all the adventures together, I ended up feeling like there's not really a much of a payoff for that. Like, is there uh, not really a reason to like jam them all together where they might be better just as like standalone cards and decks of their colors? Because I, I think a lot of them are the best cards in the set. You mentioned Decadent Dragon. Uh, I saw people playing the Otter and like Prowess decks. That looks good. The Druid that uh, is like a Reckless Impulse that also turns into a questing uh, Druid or whatever it is. Kurian Druid. That was really strong. Uh, Mosswood Dread Knight was good. So all those like cheap uh adventure cards seem good but do you think there's an adventure deck did you mess around with adventures at all Krim? i did i played a naya one and it revolved around pia nalar console of revival um there's that card is red and a white it's a two three thopters you control a face whenever you play a land from exile or cast a spell from exile get a one one thopter with haste or i mean a one one thopter with flying but all your thopters have haste that plus a few copies of rocco um and i was <laughs> It was cooking. Mm -hmm. I okay. I'll, I'll admit, tr <laughs> trying Urbrask was a bit cute, uh, but a lot of the new adventures, like the red one, the uncommon. I'm trying to remember the name. I gotta, I gotta look it up. It's a creature uh, that costs one less, equal to the number of instants and sorceries in your hand or oh, in your yeah. graveyard. Yep, that card, uh, uh, Hearth, Hearth Elemental. Elemental or something. Yeah. Yes. So the adventure side, ditch your hand and draw two cards. Uh, then this spell costs X less to cast, where X is the number of cards in your graveyard that are instants or sorcery cards and or have an adventure. It is a 4-5, and oftentimes it was just a one-mana 4-5. I was dropping multiple spells in a turn uh, and multiple permanents, so, like, you know, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm still not sure if I'm sold on um, uh, whatchamacallit, the dude, uh, Godric, but he seemed decent. And he was easier to turn into a 4-4 flyer uh, in some aggro shells. Uh, so, yeah, I did mess around with a good amount of it. Um, Where Fox Bodyguard, as good as promised. I mean, like, it's good as advertised. I think that card uh, was another stellar one. The fact that I could save my own stuff 
one red red flash when it enters the battlefield exile up to one other target non-fox creature until it leaves the battlefield play one in a red uh, and then sack it gain two life yeah these these cards were all real good um i think adventures the if the problem is there's no lucky charm there's no yeah, there's lucky no charm. Innkeeper, there's no lucky charm. So, like, there's not really a reason. I guess if you're gonna put all the adventures together, you're trying to like kind of scrounge around for like PNLR, like you said, or like the blue enchantment that looks really bad. Extraordinary journey that lets you draw a card when you play creatures from exile or creatures come into play from exile. So rather than like the obvious like Edgewall Innkeeper super busted, Lucky Charm super busted. You're kind of scrounging around for these weird payoffs. Like that's that's kind of where I ended up with adventures. Like they felt like good cards, but I don't know if I necessarily want to play them all in the same deck or if I just play them where they happen to be good. Adventures seem to shift gear. Yeah, they they're just generic cards this time around. They're like instants. You don't need to build only instants in your deck. Right, they didn't make the payoffs explicitly, the Edgewall Innkeeper and the Lucky Charm. So you just play them as value cards. Uh, there's no real reason to put them all in your deck, except for Pia, but that that's a little reaching. Uh, so yeah, they're just a normal card type now. They're like, I don't know, MDFCs or something. like that. You don't need to put all MDFCs in your deck, right? Like, it doesn't really make any sense. You just put the good ones that you want in your color in. So that's what adventures are this time around. As opposed to the first time. The first time was like, here are adventures, they're super pushed. Uh, here, here's the deck, here are the payoffs. Like, you can go ham. This time, they're just value cards. I think uh, I was really impressed with Agatha Soul Cauldron. I think that might actually be, like, the best card in the set. Or maybe second best behind Beseech the Mirror. I think that card is way better than people uh, have realized at this point. Like, you do got to build around it to some extent. But the counter synergies, there's a lot of pieces for that in standard. The activated ability stealing ends up being more relevant than you'd think, even if you're not comboing with it. And then it's also just Graveyard Hate, which is relevant in some matchups, too. So it's not something you can just jam in any deck. But I think that... The, the power level of that card was way higher than I expected it to be. I was thinking, oh, this is going to be kind of like a, a janky fun combo piece, but I actually think it might be a, a legit constructed card. I was messing around a little bit with like artifact aggro with uh, you have a, the plus one plus one counter synergies. You have the Oslith to so be a hardened scales in standard. You have all the cookie stuff. You have Sir Ginger. Uh, you add all that stuff together and you actually end up with a, a very strong aggro deck, I think. So I think Agatha's Soul Cauldron is, is a card that might be a bit of a sleeper for me in standard that maybe people aren't realizing you're good i also played a lot of roles did you play the role mechanic at all the roles uh, like I... uh, are interesting i think the payoffs are really good and that i think it might be uh, like stronger than i thought but i'm not sure if the deck actually it kind of just felt like an aggro deck like i'm just kind of like putting a bunch of creatures on the battlefield and hoping for the best so there wasn't a lot of synergies or tricks but the payoffs i thought were very strong for the role deck i mean there was like spiteful hex mage, you know that that card plus like that the card's better than I thought. Like Lord Skitter's blessing. I had kind of forgotten that with the rolls you can only have one of them. So when I read spiteful hex mage, I was like, oh, it curses itself. It's just a one one for one. But then if you follow that up with like you said, Lord Skitter's blessing, you kind of legend rule away the bad roll and get the good one, and then you have like a four three on turn two that's uh, like beating down. So I think that card's yeah. actually a lot better than I had really thought. Yeah. Uh, but like, is it, is it good? Right. Is that like, cause I mean, is it good? That's the question. And I felt like 
that was the exact curve you needed. And if they had an answer to it, like as you casted anything, it was like you were you were gassed out so hard. <laughs> one one thing that did not impress me was uh, bunny shenanigans. That was it. Like a lot of people are asking me about is like oh regal bunny corn, like make a ton of tokens. Like uh, even during early access day, it felt like kind of a stretch <laughs> to actually make that good. Although I did have one person that had triple pollen shield hair, and they're like three blind mice wedding announcement deck and just like cast all of them and killed me out of nowhere. So that was actually kind of impressive. But the token strategy I was I was kind of disappointed in, like the make a bunch of tokens, play a bunny corn. It, it didn't really work from what I saw. Did you see anyone actually make that successful, Krim? No, I, I just I mean, I, I casted the end and they never had another <laughs> regal bunny corn. I played full for the end, like <laughs> Like, yeah, and, like, on top of that, most of the time, it just felt like it didn't have trample. However, yeah. you know what I did get dumpstered by randomly? I was playing a bad deck, but it's okay. I was playing uh, the uh, Boros um, Emodane, like, burn deck, <laughs> using, like, Nahiri's Warcrafting to try to burn them for five, which was great when it worked. <laughs> um, but you know what five damage isn't good against? A Saltai deck that dredges super hard and then plays yes. a giant I'm, new Tarmogoyf that, and I'm then gave it telling. trample. It's going to happen. This is the set. We finally get the graveyard deck. <laughs> How do they give it trample, though? Are they audacity or something? What's the what's a trample in that plan? <laughs> There's a 4-3 with backup, and it has trample. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. I tell you what, I could not beat that. <laughs> well, I was playing a burn deck, so yeah. Oh, I'm very curious. Did you run into anyone that look? I th I think this man. I think this person's humor is hilarious. I love them. Rankles pranks. It's just a joke, bro. Like that guy. That card is the truth, right? Have you played against it? Rankle. I did not play with or against against Rankles pranks. Where did you play Rankle's Pranks? Um, so I played a uh, kind of a, a blue-black deck that used, like, Invasion of Amonkhet. Uh, and it went a little, like, kind of... If if you could go standard 8-rack-esque. I mean, I literally played Invasion of Eldraine. Or, or, or whatever. The one that where they ditch to, and then it's a rack on the backside. I was wondering um, how what the payoff is for trying to do the rack stuff in standard. So is that the only payoff for, like, getting your opponent empty-handed? I mean, there's just literally beating them down. Uh, yeah, like I mean, I guess your opponent having no cards is, is always good. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not going to hurt. I, between that and uh, uh, Invasion of Amonkhet, Liliana, I had the Raven Man. Uh, that, that dude definitely died most of the time. Uh, but, like, because <laughs> he's an X one. But outside of the Raven Man, like, just, like, Windmill Slamming, Lord Skitter, Sewer King, which has been proven to be real good. It's... It's weird. I, I don't know if it's better than Trespasser, but it is a very strong three drop as it does just take over games. Uh, but yeah, I played like uh, Rankle's Pranks with like Spellscorn uh, Coven, Invasion of Amonkhet, Liliana, Blade Coil Serpent, uh, which was bugged, by the way. It always had haste, even though you never paid red. Oh, uh, that's, and, that is kind of it's kind of busted. Yeah, actually. that's yeah, it just always had haste trample on it when it entered the battlefield. Um, but yeah, like all of that, and it was really solid. The games where, like the Black Mirrors, where I imagine your your opponent's grinding down and you're down to two cards, you make them each ditch their two cards. We both ditch two. We both 
like sack two creatures and then it's like the first person to cast Rankle's Prank, it just feels like you were leagues ahead. You were just leagues ahead. I don't know if I'm Why seeing would you be ahead though? Doesn't that just reset it to like a top deck war? Because you no, also it, discard two cards, right? So like yes. everyone's just empty-handed. But, you both sack two creatures and you both lost four life. So you're just Well, you don't have to choose that. You just don't have to choose the sack two creatures, right? It's so flexible. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Right? Like the point here is it's whatever you need it to be. Obviously, uh the burn in a mid-range mirror or whatever, I'm definitely trying to get ahead. I've won games with that too after seeing Tenacious Corndog pop off, come back, they keep chipping away, losing two life. But once I was able to establish a board, I just made us ditch cards. And then they were in top deck mode while I had all these threats. So I think, and then I also saw people playing mono black with Rankle's Prank as well. And don't get me wrong, I also got hosed by Rankle's Pranks. Because I was just like, oh man. And I, I'm not going to lie to you, I had double She Aldred. Yeah, you know? and uh, I was not feeling too good after cr- that. Oh, Cram. Oh. You were it's, playing Shieldreds on early access day? Of course. That's like an unwritten rule. That's an unwritten rule of early access You need to know day. what combos well with Shieldred, okay? <laughs> like, yeah, Rankle's like, like, prank <laughs> is the truth. <laughs> Rankle's prank, like, answered me and answered me quite efficiently and then ate my hand. So... Oh. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's the, the weird. That sounds interesting. Like it, it seems like a pretty clean reset if you play it on four, choose all the modes. Like you just clean the board, clean everyone's hand, and then somehow you win the top deck battle. Which I'm not sure how you. You have Lily. It doesn't net. have planeswalkers. But Lily is so bad. <laughs> That's what you think until you know you reset their board. <laughs> So I I also saw Lord Skitter be really good. I don't think it replaces Graveyard Trespasser because it dies uh, a lot easier than Graveyard Trespasser. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Lord Skitter show up alongside Graveyard Trespasser in some of the some of the top tier black decks. I think it is strong enough to like be a competitive card in standard. That card really impressed me. Like the body is fine, the synergies of it are fine. I don't know if Rats will actually make it as a deck i'm still a little skeptical i'm not sure what the the payoff for that is either but i do think lord skitter in specific is is really good uh is I, there anything payoff else? is rankle <laughs> you uh, sack the rats oh God. I'm not i'm not even joking like i i that i did do that so like, <laughs> that sounds actually I, I pretty legit actually <laughs> rats deck don't know if it's real either but i can tell you that without rats i think uh you know, I, I, I called Skrull's Hive Skitter Blossom, but this is literally Skitter Blossom. So, <laughs> and then on top of that, Skitter Blossom is the truth. Uh, and then Song of Totentans. I don't, I, I don't know if rats is a good thing, but the fact that Song of Totentans is X red, create X11 black rat creature tokens with this creature camp block. Creatures you control gain haste. So I can just make X zero and all my creatures have haste. This could be sweet in a Naya tokens deck. You know, we still have Jetmir, we still have all these things. Um I really liked it as a card. It's a solid aggro card. So it'll be interesting. Uh so I guess final final thoughts on our first impressions of Wild of Valderain. I really like this set. I think this set is is really good. I'm still very concerned about what standard's gonna look like? I'm less hopeful than Krim that we're gonna see a mass shakeup and like standard look wholesale different. 
I think there's a oh, chance wait, that wait, we'll wait, see wait, the, wait. the new cards, but oh, I'm sorry, did I? Let, let's not let's not say that I think it's going to be a wholesale shakeup. I just think that car- these cards are going to get played. Okay. There's going to be cards are definitely getting played from this set. Well, I think we'll see some. Yes, I think we'll see some cards he played from this set. I would, I would agree with that. So I don't know if I think we're gonna see like the top tier of the meta like completely shaken up because of this set. But I do think there's a lot of a lot of new options, and I really enjoyed playing with the cards. I think it, the set has a lot of like just really synergistic, fun cards to play. So I guess I hope that they show up a lot in standard because I think they're like a lot of just really interesting designs. Like even the cards that didn't work, I really wanted to make like Hilda work and I just couldn't make it work because Hilda always dies and that card's probably bad, but it's a really cool like card to try to build around and make work. And I feel like there's a ton of cards from this set. So I'm pretty happy with how the, the set landed overall. Still a little nerd. I still think they should have just banned Shieldred. That was my other impression of early access was like, you should have just banned stupid Shieldred. The end is going to save us, right? Because you can't play four Shieldreds and get the ended out of the game. So now you play like two Shieldreds and two other four drops that are like just kind of like Shieldred so that you don't get the ended out of the game. Like, I, I think that actually might be the answer to diversifying the four drop slot, right? Maybe. I, I'm, wasn't Eradicate, I'm, like, a card multiple times in Standards Pass? Was this, like... I'm not sure why people are so gung-ho about the end. Because like, this, I feel this, like this removes is, like, the creature on the battlefield, right? Yeah, like, a it lot does of times it's the more board. of... It's like a... I don't know, like a surgical effect or, like, name a card effect, and you, you take it out, like, to Brainstone. This is just four-mana removal that also ensures that they're not drawing it ever again. And and I guess it, it could be two mana removal if Fateful Hour or whatever is on. But yeah. But I mean, I would be a little nervous playing four, like if my deck was just random mid range and four Shouldreds as the win con. I'd be a bit nervous about this. So either I have to counter this on the way down, or make sure I'm playing like three one split two two split of my four drops to make sure the game doesn't end. Right? Because remember, we're like grindy mid range mirrors. Like the game will go long. Your Shouldreds will die. You need it not to die to the end, and you do not want to fire off your own removal spell to kill your children against the end to fizzle there at the end. Does it even fizzle? It fizzles, right? Yeah, it does. Okay, now, yeah, so now you can, you can protect your children by killing your children, but like you don't want yeah. to be doing that. So you, you might just play to... random other four drops just to diversify your four drop slot. So maybe this people can't just free roll saves. play Shieldred <laughs> out there anymore, right? Like before, it's oh well. Doop 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 doop, and then turn four, just roll shielded out. Who cares, right? If you have answer, I have multiple. You can't do that anymore because if you shielded first and you don't have a way to kill it, and they cast the end on you, your best win con's gone. Like Richard said, you'll actually have to play the game. Doesn't it actually wreck <laughs> like Esper more because those decks try to only win with Wandering Emperor? <laughs> like if your Wandering Emperor gets sniped, aren't you just like literally oh, just trying to like mill him out or something? Like I feel like Esper has to rebuild <laughs> pretty much to to play against the end, or else you're it's too risky. I I mean fully agree as well, right? Like it, the end is my my hot take is is not really I don't even know if it's a hot take anymore, but I think in about a few months we're gonna be tired of the end. This card is gonna be talked about. <laughs> it's gonna be talked about because people's best win cons are exiled. It's so toxic. I don't know why. They, like, it's, it's one of those so things good. that you don't want because you're like, ooh, I built a new deck around this creature. And then you like just get it removed from your deck entirely and you have no recourse. You're like, wow, that yeah. was not the experience I wanted, right? Like, So I'm surprised I mean, they make these kind of effects. <laughs> it is four mana. So I think like it is, it is not 
super efficient. So I think you really got to be planning to exile the shield rid or something. Like you wouldn't just play it for value, right? I feel like there's a risk that you fall into the <laughs> a like case of aggro decks. You know, under five the... life already. It's five. It's yeah, they, aggro decks actually help you make it efficient. So <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Then, uh, you you remove their thing and then you shouldered back your life total afterwards. It's okay. It's okay. Is there any is there any hope for aggro crim? Like, is there any is, is there anything we saw from early access day that makes us think? Because if you look at the meta, it's like very grindy, very mid rangey, very controlly. Anything, anything that stuck out, like okay, maybe aggro can actually like jump up into the to the top of the meta. It's gonna probably revolve around Song of Totentans and uh, um, Godric. Godric is Godric. really good. That that card was yeah. very impressive and scary. And it, like, naturally synergizes with more than I realized. It works with Charming yep. Scoundrel and any roll stuff. The timing works up with the faces of Kazan or whatever that one mana saga is. Like, if you yep. play that on one, it's going to flip on three to give you the 4-4 four, four Godric. So I think Godric is is probably Mono Red's, like, savior for this. That I think that's, like, the really, really big addition for the deck. That card, I felt like, is one of the things that overperformed um some of the cards that i think i have a few that definitely underperformed what what uh, underperformed for you so underperformed was a currently twinning twins um just not enough to really flicker and like take full advantage of and i don't Did know you the build four a drop deck though crim <laughs> lightly <laughs> okay. I, I mean lightly and it, it was it was okay it was like i thought it was gonna be like absolutely the nuts and maybe i had the wrong build uh, but like it was just okay. Um, all of I will say that a lot of the creature lands was a bit awkward because they were in color pairings that, like, I felt like the set mostly wanted to be two colors that weren't in creature lands. Mm. When when you right like it's like well cool I could add red to make my fairies deck have a a, a creature land you know what I mean or I can add white. Yeah. That's true. I guess I mostly saw them and played them in three-color decks. So I think you're right. Yeah, the two-color combinations are... There's not, like, a demure one, which would be a really good two-color combination, or a a blue-white one. So, yeah, it is kind of awkward color combinations for two-color decks. Yeah, like, that that was a bit awkward. Um, But, yeah, if you want to, like, aggro, I mean, you already have the colorless 2-2 land from Brothers War, so just keep playing that. But otherwise, Godric has looked pretty pretty impressive. And Charming Scoundrel can be aggro. It can be in ramp. It can be in whatever plays red. I just think that card is so good. That card, we rated it pretty highly, and it's as promised. Yeah, that card's definitely definitely very, very good. Hard to go wrong with a 2-2 haste with a, with a bunch of upsides. So, well, anyway, the set release is in full tomorrow. So uh, after y'all get to play it, let us know what you think. I will be excited to see... What the format looks like, and uh, maybe maybe the end is the the savior. Maybe that's gonna put an end to Shieldred's reign. So we will see. It'll be very exciting to see how uh, things shake out here. But the set, I will say, it's super fun. So uh, if you're if you're interested, give it a try. I've also heard I didn't do any drafting, but everyone I talked to who was doing drafts during early access really thought the format was uh was really fun with the bonus sheets and some really cool synergies coming from the enchanted tales so it seems like it could be a really good limited set as well but let's move on hit up a couple other topics so two two brief pieces of news and then we got to talk about some uh some spoiler action so first i gotta ask you about this uh this question i i just need an answer to if you like this or not so 
Wizards announced, actually no, Daybreak Games announced that they're going to be adding some Infinity cards to Magic Online. One of those Infinity cards is Blank Goblin. It's the goblin that uh, when he ETBs, you get a you get a name sticker and then you make mana equal to the number of vowels in that sticker. The problem is they can't actually do stickers on Magic Online. It's it's not built for that. So they tried to like do this mathematical thing where you're going to roll a d20 and tried to like take what the average amount of mana you get based on optimal sticker sheets and either get four five or six mana based on your roll. What do you think about this? Like, so this isn't exactly the same as how the card plays in paper. There's some differences that legacy players have pointed out. You know how much mana you're getting ahead of time. This you don't know until it enters the battlefield. There's some weird situations there. Do we like this? Like, would you rather have Blank Goblin on Magic Online in kind of hacked form to make it function? Or would it be better to not have it at all? Is this a legacy playable card? <laughs> Is it played anywhere? Yeah. Do we care about this card? There are some, I mean, it produces mana. So there have been combo decks and goblin decks that have actually, that have actually used it in Legacy. It's not like a staple by any stretch, but it has actually showed up in like competitive lists. I mean, this is alchemy. This is a digital <laughs> rebalance, right? And there's but some it's... confusion with that, right? Because you <laughs> kind of expect the card to do what the paper version does. Yeah. So I don't know that it's worth putting this card online. Like, I think it would be better to just be like, look, there's this one card we don't support, right? And we can have the rest of Infinity. Rather than creating this different card that people are not expecting, this is the first for Moto, right? This is the first time we've had a card on Moto that does not reflect the paper version. So yeah. and given given our knowledge of Alchemy's reception, I, I think that they would have been wise to just not put this online like and especially if legacy players are like well this card is actually different we can't play it then like i don't know what we've accomplished <laughs> like i think they wanted to put this online for legacy players but yeah it's kind of different so then therefore does it really do its thing so i don't know i think it's better to just skip it just leave it i feel like yeah i i've been really on the fence about this i think like the issue is stickers have just proven themselves to be like a worst of all time mechanic. What a horrible, horrible mechanic in every way. They didn't play well on paper. Casual <laughs> players don't really like them. They're messing up digital play. And they made them black border. And then the set still didn't sell. And now they aren't probably going to make more unsets because it flops so hard. So it was just like, is there any redeeming qualities to this mechanic? I think that's my takeaway is, boy, think through these mechanics before you put them out there. Because this one just seems like all downside, no upside in every possible way. So yeah, I really blame for like, your laptop, Seth. Yeah. <laughs> you could use the stickers in a non-Magic yeah, yeah. the Gathering environment. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. I guess that is an upside. I, I will give them to my little nephew or something. They'll, they'll love them. So <laughs> You could put googly they, eyes they would. on that's, things. That's amazing. <laughs> Uncle Seth gave me a sticker. It just says goblin. <laughs> <laughs> it won't stick to anything, and uh, you'll probably lose oh, yeah, it because it's tiny. It'll but, hey, hey, you stick have the cards. Fun, <laughs> have fun. <laughs> uh, uh, also, news before we get to uh, our our spoilers. Card Sphere is closing. Actually, I don't know if any of you did. You ever use Card Sphere? It was like one of the card trading apps that uh, was at some points kind of popular but uh apparently they're closing down so uh i guess that's worth noting shutting down november 1st 2023 trades being shut down ahead of time as they're kind of like uh, slowly shuttering so sad to see cardsphere go but uh 
the magic market keeps changing so i don't know do people even trade cards anymore i feel like trading is like a relic of the 90s or something like like hey walk do? up to you pat like yo you got any trades? And yeah. Can I see your trades like that? Okay. Yeah, you got your binder. Yeah, yeah. Where's your binder? You got games on is your phone. True? Is trading no longer a thing? Do people? I mean, like... let's be honest. Like the idea that that tra- trading does happen, um, but like I don't know. I mean, I, I I think only thing here is like it, which this is a good thing. People got smarter about how they traded. Yeah, I guess, yeah, maybe a a lot of the old trades were just someone getting scammed because they didn't know the value of their cards and someone was taking advantage of them because they did know the value of their cards. So maybe that's part of it. Old trading was like 99% of the time. It's just like, well, let me try to get you by like 50% or so. Like, you know what I mean? Like something along those lines. Uh, and also cynical. We are a trading card game before Magic Arena. You, You build your Kiskin deck and you're like, ah. I don't want to play Kithkin anymore. Let me trade my farewell or something to get sure. a, a red card and then build a red deck. Of right? equal like, value. Yeah, of equal value. Or I I think the internet broke this, but like it didn't even matter, right? Trading. As a kid, right? Like if you traded a underground sea for a Shivan Dragon, you were probably very happy with it. Because you're like, oh my gosh, Shivan Dragon. Even though in hindsight, you're like, wow, you got fleeced so hard, <laughs> right? But well, it's just a card game, right? And you have more fun with Shiv and Dragon. And you actually yeah. had no concept of value back then. It's not like one person actually knew the card was more expensive than the other one, right? You just traded, right? But I don't know. So we're no longer a trading card game? Like, is I that... Think the, I mean, I think the internet kind of killed it. I still see people trade on occasion, like at events or something. I've had people walk up and be like, hey, do you got a binder you want to trade? But not as much as it used to happen like five or ten years ago. I think now it's just so easy to get the cards you want from card kingdom or from ebay or from tcd play like so, so you just so eat the easy. buy list difference if i the, need a card you know, i don't fees. i don't need to find someone else to trade me that card i can just get it on my phone in like 30 seconds and it'll show up in the mail in a couple days so it's just like way less hassle and less effort to to do it that way i think it's kind of sad it is, you know, it is lug around sad. like 30 pounds of cards <laughs> you got trades. yeah <laughs> what are you but looking for you, then you have... spend like 20 minutes browsing like Every common they have in their binder for some reason. Richard, are you trying to have neck muscles on your neck muscles? Why are you trying to haul around 45 pounds everywhere you go? Because someone might want the card. You got to bring every card they all got to be. Yeah, you never. I think I that, did that. That was the charm of Magic the Gathering. No, you're like, oh, here's some cards. I could, I could swap one deck for another deck. But I guess we just... We just buy list or card conduit now. I guess that's true, right? That's what we do. Or we just yeah. buy singles. The days yeah. of uh, affording a booster box are over, so you don't have like random cards to get rid of anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna have like you're buying singles for a deck that you want, so you're gonna have less less leftovers that you want to trade away. I think too. So I think the like the whole multiverse has just shifted away from trading essentially. But anyway, cards fear going away. Last big topic of the day. We got more Doctor Who spoilers. Doctor Who coming out in October, but we slowly, slowly, slowly have the spoiler drip. I think actually the most recent spoilers, it seems like we're an accident. Like the BBC posted them and then like oh, yeah, a few right. hours later the them. tweet got taken down. So I assume that that meant they weren't supposed to post them. It kind of can you imagine Watsy like calling the BBC and <laughs> telling them to take a tweet down? That's the best part of that whole scenario. But anyway, uh Richard, why don't you guide us through a couple of these spoiler cards? Okay. So we, we haven't talked about much Doctor Who because they've been kind of interspersed everywhere and L Drain was happening. 
Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna cover a couple more doctors that we haven't talked about, and then the doctor's companion mechanic, I think. Uh, so we've talked about the tenth doctor, I believe. So yep. we have the fourth doctor, which is Simic, four man of four four. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. Once each turn, you may play a historic land or cast a historic spell from the top of your library. When you do, create a food token. What? Does Bilbo Baggins? Like, what? why do we make a food randomly out of this card? He's a hungry, hungry doctor, apparently. Uh, I, I do not know Doctor Who lore. I ran into some big trouble with this with... Actually, no, look at this card. Look at this card real quick. Look, Richard, look up this card. Uh, what is the name of this card? It's Way Wayward Angel. Weeping, Weeping Angel. Angel. Look, look at Weeping, Weeping Angel. Angel. <laughs> look at the yeah. art on that card. Why does this creature not fly? Isn't that the most obvious flying creature you have literally <laughs> ever seen in your life? But then it's I like... It's a shackle to the ground. Oh, I don't doctor, know. It's a, doctor Who, you should want It's to an show. alien angel. If you your show, your, you your rules of flight do not apply to the alien world, Seth. <laughs> Just because oh, you have wings. I mean, it, like that card. I don't like is by far one of my favorite like things ever, like flavor wise. The fact that it doesn't fly makes sense, but that's because I know I I watch Doctor. I Who, mean, have right? you seen a chicken? <laughs> it also yeah, has chickens. wings. It can also flex about like that, and they do not fly. <laughs> yeah, I like like this. This Seems though, like accurate. <laughs> oh my! For those God. that that do uh. know the the lore. Like, let, let's read Weeping Angel. One blue black flash. First strike vigilance. Whenever an opponent casts a creature spell, Weeping Angel isn't a creature until end of turn. If Weeping Angel would deal combat damage to a creature, prevent that damage, and that creature's owner shuffles it into their library. So in the show... Do, exactly. It's like a weird removal spell, basically. It's so cool. It's like pretty much Death Touch. It's like Death Tuck, if you would. (laughs) Basically, yeah. Oh, oh it tucks the good. other creature. It tucks yeah, the yeah, other, yeah. not, not itself. Okay, I was like, I'm so confused as to what it was doing. Okay, so you you deal combat damage to something, and that thing, like, shuffles into its owner's library. Right. Yeah, so you flash but, it in, block something attacking. But then if they cast the creature a creature spell, this thing turns off. It's right. just an artifact, yep. So it's really okay. only good once, probably. The turn you flash it in, you should be able to get something in combat, but then in the future, your opponent can kind of play around it by casting creatures. But sorry, Krim, you're you're on a lore, Doctor Who lore. What does this mean in Doctor Who lore? Uh, okay, so in the show, uh, if if you... It moves exponentially faster. It, like, literally blinks, and it moves when you don't look at it. Oh, isn't so that when like you... the toys and Toy Story? Like basically the same thing, right? If you don't look, <laughs> yeah, sure. they come alive. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I got it. Oh, I love this card like, now. That makes perfect sense. It's like Chucky. It's like uh, you know, <laughs> I was yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, that's I was thinking glad, Squid Game. <laughs> the thing it, you have to turn around. Oh yeah, you, like it, yeah, red light, green light, and Squid Game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this card is red, gray, uh, red, red. Oh my god, red light, green light. On a card, and in in the world of like Doctor Who, if you look at it, it doesn't move. So what about Richard's card? Is it is this <laughs> is the fourth Doctor so good? underwhelming that we don't care about it? Whatsoever? I mean, so it's limited only to historic spells. You only get to cast one each turn. I guess I like that you can play lands. That's kind of cool. I mean, it, it's got to be good in a historic deck, right? Like something that plays legendary, like a Sissé deck or something. Oh, oh, oh like in the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, if you're playing like yeah. a legendary deck, then it's good. I don't know if I'm hyped about playing as my commander, but in a legendary theme deck or historic theme deck, it'd probably get in the 99. 
We're yeah. Wait, you said the tenth Doctor. The fourth, the fourth, the, fourth the one that oh, lets oh. you cast or play a historic spell. Okay, the, top the of your Simic library, one. and then randomly create yeah. a food when when that happens. I I was wondering what you were talking about. I was like, that's Simic. not the tenth Doctor. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, no, I, I like this is not any. This isn't. I don't know. I personally think it's okay. It's I don't know if I want it as a commander either, but it is cool to see. I mean, I recognize the scarf. <laughs> Grimlock's <laughs> the scarf. Okay. It's, it's he iconic. Likes the lore. He likes the it's, lore. It's iconic. It's, it's, oh, are you it's a like Doctor a... Who fan, Grim? I didn't realize. I, I, I didn't know you were a Doctor Who fan. I liked everything from the ninth Doctor forward up to, I think, the 13th Doctor, whatever Peter Cabal- Capaldi was. Oh. Hmm. So uh, I watched. I watched that. I watched a lot of it at a point. So for me, the 10th Doctor hits. And the 13th Doctor, I watched, uh, like, halfway through that. So, yeah, actually, no, I I watched after Peter Capaldi, because 13th Doctor. All right. Well, speaking of 13th Doctor, are are all the Doctors Simic? Because there's a second Simic Doctor, (laughs) three mana, two, two. Whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Team TARDIS, at the beginning of your end step, untap each creature you control with a counter on it. This is this is the adventure commander, I guess, or the the foretell yeah. commander. I mean, cast from exile. For this set, I think the theme is suspend. So I think that's yeah. like why they're making it that way. But yeah, suspend adventures, any of the like prosper Maybe. cards uh, that are in in the Simic colors. But anything that worked with prosper, like casting from exile, would work with this. Turns out the Time Lords and all of Doctor Who they talk about the Dalek and all of these. Terrible creatures, but really, it's just Droneth Magistrate uh, that dumpsters you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, these doctors seem a little underwhelming, maybe. Yes. Right? We're like, maybe good in the 99, but I don't want them as my commander. Well, you're not. Wizards, this has you covered. There's a new mechanic called Doctor's Companion, and they are legendary creatures that you can have as your additional commander... If the other commander is a doctor. So they're kind of like partners, but they're, they're really more like backgrounds, right? If you have a doctor as your commander, you can choose a doctor's companion as a second uh, commander. So you get more abilities in your command zone. Uh, we'll kick things off with Donna Noble. Three in a red, four <laughs> mana, two, four. Soul Bond. You may pair this creature with another untapped creature when either enters the battlefield they remain paired for as long as you control both when donna or a creature it's paired with is dealt damage donna deals that much damage to target opponent like donna does doll. not mess around that's kind of like <laughs> a stuffy doll yeah it's like a stuffy doll that not indestructible or whatever but it is cool i like I, this as a way to power up these sort of underpowered actors like uh, that's a kind of a neat way to go around it doing this pseudo partner thing also nice that it lets you splash a color like uh, the 13th doctor whatever we're talking about casting from exile would be a good way to like power this up well if you play donna noble then you play all the the red stuff that exiles a card each turn and lets you play it so i think that's going to make these commanders a lot more powerful than they look at first glance i mean yeah like i i i like these companions uh but that's just because yeah again Flavor wise, they they're they're very cool. What what, what is uh, the flavor? They're like 
They're like the Robin. They're like the sidekick to the doctor, but not a doctor. (laughs) Every new doctor has a new companion. So somebody that just follows them, like Rose Tyler is the 10th doctor's companion. Uh, So I I do have an affinity for them, but I realize they don't have Matt or maybe maybe they do. So so they're they're meant specifically for a doctor. So you're saying Rose Tyler is supposed to synergize with the 10th doctor is what you're. Well, like yeah, like like you do, Rose does eventually like the tenth Doctor, it, like you know again, Rose goes with the tenth Doctor. Then you have like Matt Smith who has his companion. You know, like oh, so yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm excited to see what other. I'm I'm assuming there's going to be more companion or more Doctors uh, companions. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see. Well, we have three of them presumably that match the three Doctors. Old Crim can tell us. Sarah yeah. Jane Smith. White, two mana, two, one. When you cast a historic spell, investigate. This ability triggers only once each turn. Presumably, this is the fourth Doctor's companion? No, uh, no, no, no. The fourth Doctor's companion. Cause I, so I didn't watch Fourth Doctor, but I have to assume it's Sarah Jane Smith uh, just because of the, the yeah. wardrobe and the attire. Yeah, so, Sarah, oh, yeah, because it triggers off historic spells, and the fourth Doctor's yeah. all about historic spells. So presumably, they're the pairing, right? Yeah. And then, like, Donna technically could be, like, it, like is also the 10th Doctor's other companion. Oh. They, they got multiple so, companions. Ooh. Yeah. So Are we Donna spoiling? Noble, did, did something so happen much. to the previous companion? Oh, he better not. Yeah. <laughs> We've ruined Doctor Who for, I mean, for everyone. I haven't watched Doctor Who yet, Crib. Have I been ruined? <laughs> uh, no, it's totally fine. I mean, like, I, I just want to see Amy Pond and, and Matt Smith. Uh, Matt Smith's Doctor, aka the Eleventh, but I don't think we're gonna get that. So, <laughs> sad. But yeah, like the the Tenth Doctor is my favorite, and then Yasmin is also the Thirteenth Doctor's companion. So they they all kind of, it's essentially three color decks is what you're getting. Yep. You're getting Jeskai, you're getting Bant, and you're getting Teamer, and then you have Grixis. What, what do you guys is... think of this new partner thing of like jamming more stuff into the command zone? I mean, I mean... is. We've the already ship seen has sailed. It. The ship has sailed at this <laughs> point. Like, I'm glad that Wizards is wise enough not to just be sticking partner on these cards. The Wizards has learned that at least. The experiments with like various partner with or Doctor's Companion, I think that's I think it's fine. There's already partners are already the most impactful version of this mechanic, I think. Yeah, I don't think Wizards is gonna top them or they're not gonna try to top them. So I think it's pretty harmless at this point if you want to make Doctor's Companion or whatever, because it's it can't be more busted than the original partners were, I don't think. Okay. And then uh one last card before we leave Doctor Who. This one is kind of intriguing. It's a saga. The girl in the fireplace, two in a white. The first stage is create a 1-1 white human noble creature token with vanishing three. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to this creature. The second saga is create a 2-2 white horse creature token with doctors you control have horsemanship. And then three is whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player this turn. Time travel. I feel Horsemanship like this is, is back. <laughs> I feel like this is a card that if you're a magic player who doesn't know Doctor Who, it looks so weird because it looks super weird to me. But I bet if you're a big Doctor Who fan, you love this. You're like, oh, my God, that reference that's like this perfect explanation of something that happened in this one episode I saw once. So they I don't get horses? it, but I bet if you're like a Doctor Who, do you get it, Krim? Is this from an episode that you know? 
I it's been a long time since I've seen okay. Doctor Who, so I'm like staring at these and I'm like really trying to like remember pick at my brain because I've watched I watch a lot of things, uh, you know, like so. Uh, yeah, the girl in the fireplace. I can't remember what this is. Oh, so, oh, so this is actually. So I just googled this. There's an episode of Doctor Who called "The Girl in the Fireplace." It was season two, episode four. So apparently, it is actually the. The episode name uh, from yeah, so this is like this is like Smog or whatever from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Right? It's telling the story in a single saga. Yep. Well, I love don't sagas. Spoil the episode if you haven't <laughs> if you haven't watched Doctor Who, right? <laughs> <laughs> there oh. horses are involved, apparently, according to Wikipedia. So it probably is like the perfect flavor card. I imagine if you watch the episode, it's going to make a lot of sense. So. <laughs> What when I, does I, Doctor Who release? It should be October in a month or two, right? Yeah, October. I don't remember the exact date. The middle of October, though. So yeah, oh, we're gotta, I gotta get my Doctor Who watching game on. I was planning Blink. to watch a couple episodes. Apparently, you gotta watch Blink. That's the one everyone says, and then the Weeping Angel. That's will a good make one. Sense to you if you watch. Yeah, that episode, that's a really good says. one. <laughs> I mean, kind of scary though. Don't want to watch this. <laughs> is this is this a horror? <laughs> I don't it, know. It it's campy. Don't worry. Like maybe maybe Weeping Angel might be a little spoopy, but like I I would say that for the most part. I mean, if you think about it, like in the show, Daleks have a plunger for a hand, dude. They straight up have a plunger for a hand. It's <laughs> it's campy. So it's super campy sci-fi. And if you're down with that, then then you'll have a a great time. Is like, this like X Files? Is this no like no 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 X no? X Files? I think was like genuinely kind of scary, but also camp. But like. This is like pure camp. Like it, it, the meter is just fully overblown into the campy side, and that's why it's fun. So it's just like pure nonsense. You know who? You know who would love to talk about this? I bet would be the prof. The prof loves. Does the prof love Doctor Who? And he's watched probably like all of them, like every yeah. single one. I'm like a middle child Doctor Who, where I watched the middle seat, like the later seasons, and then yeah, dropped off. So this this I is. Totally you know, a, a. I thought a, Seth a would watch thing. Doctor Who. It seems like some no kind way. of show that he would watch. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> no, I never. I've never seen it, but I am going to watch a couple episodes before the set releases. So then I'll I'll know what I'll talk. I'm talking about. So it's on my it's on my to watch list. So it's going to happen. But yeah, can you I mean, can I, you watch it and then make a YouTube video that's like no longer than five minutes summarizing the story of Doctor the, Who for me? You, can you summarize all fifteen seasons? Yeah, that's of Doctor yeah I don't want to watch like fifteen seasons. Episodes? <laughs> that's so much. That's so much. All right, Seth, but yes, there's I'll your homework. Right, I will get right on that. <laughs> Consider it studying for yeah. uh, for work. <laughs> uh, good old good old universes beyond making me learn pop culture. Unfortunately, well, I don't. It's think working. We, it is. Yeah, little by little. <laughs> it's working. I, I don't think we have time for fish mail this week, but Richard, next week we might. So where should people send their fish mail if they want them answered maybe at some point? All right. Send your questions over to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail on Twitter or X. Are we, are we really doing this? Is it called X now? It's still uh, <laughs> on, 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 I'm on, calling on, it Twitter. On, on the place where you have hashtags, send it to us. MTG Fish Mail. And we'll get to your questions next week. 
And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 449 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have an amazing week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. Bye.